Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. You know, uh, I, I have a bit of a confession uh, as we're in part three of our series titled Positively. We're going to talk about being positively grateful. But one of the things that I, I would like to confess to you that I'm still learning how, and maybe you are too, I'm still learning how to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Are you still on that journey? I hope so. Because the moment that we think that we've kind of arrived is probably where our growth and development and our maturity ends, most likely. Um, I, I know the series I've said each week thus far that, uh, and I hate to bring it to the surface all the time, but I really get tired of kind of the negative, dark cloud of um, just the negativity, the vibe in culture in general, the world as a whole. And quite frankly, even as a Christ follower, maybe you experience this, but sometimes it trickles into uh, my own life, our marriage or with our kids. And I hate to admit that, but it's true. But, you know, the socioeconomic standing of things here in the United States, the political stuff, uh, cultural things, um, attempting to actually define things that we thought were defined for years and years and years. It's just really challenging uh, to walk with Jesus. You know, when I think about gratitude, uh, the the opposing position, I guess, of that might be entitlement, but with entitlement sometimes comes complaining. I'm not going to ask you to show me your hands if you're a complainer, but I will tell you this, that I tend to complain. And, and like I said before, my wife is very, very positive, and uh, never, ever in 42 years have I ever heard her, I can't really say that, can I? <laughs> complain, Ever! <laughs> She tolerates me, but we do it. We complain about the weather, our job, our spouse. Uh, I never have, but a sp- our spouse on occasion, our kids. And then the crazy one to me is we're so used to a fast-paced life when we go through the fast food line. I don't care. Pick your restaurant. We order for a family of four, and we get to the window, and it's like it took three and a half minutes to get this fast food. You call this fast food? You know how it's like we just find stuff to complain about. You've probably never done this when everyone else is such a crummy driver. My house is too small. It's too old. I'm not in the right neighborhood. I can't find anything to watch. I have a satellite dish with 783 channels, and I can't find anything to watch this complaining thing. But it's amazing to me when I pause and do a little introspection and look at my life and the culture around me, it's amazing to me how ungrateful I or we can become considering all the blessings that we have. I mean, we are a blessed people and quite frankly, highly favored of the Lord. We are blessed right and left. But we want more, don't we? Or what we have, we want better of it. 
And uh, if we don't want more or want better, we certainly want it faster. And if you struggle with impatience like I do, there's really nothing faster than do it right now. So when you pray to God, be sure that you say do it right now because then he'll make sure that you wait a considerable amount of time. And with everything within me, I want to be a soul, a follower of gratitude. I really do. One who is grateful for all things. And gratitude unlocks, I think, some very important key other elements, virtues of sorts that we can live out of that reflect the glory of God. Week one, we talked about uh, positively optimistic. Optimism might be one of those. Encouragement might be one of those. Generosity might be one of those that outflow from a heart of gratitude. My prayer is, God, move me, Tom, away from entitlement, thinking that life or the Father or the Son or the Holy Spirit owes me anything. We're not owed a thing. In fact, what we deserve, we talked about a number of weeks ago, is death, but Jesus Christ has given us eternal life. In fact, let's pray together. Lord God, would you move all of us, our hearts and our minds, away from uh, entitlement, however it may manifest itself in our lives, and towards Uh, gratefulness, and marry to that gratefulness uh, contentment. In Jesus' name, amen. So gratitude can be elusive uh, for people, myself included, and we actually see it in the story in Luke 17, which is our primary text for today, uh, beginning in verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, verse 12, as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. It was kind of required, and we'll get into that in a minute. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, Have pity on us. Now, before we jump to verse 14, I want to add uh, uh, some information in here because it's really easy to blow past this. You might be very familiar with the story, but some details of the story or context is really important. In the Old Testament, in particular in Leviticus, it teaches us that there was an immense amount of shame that was associated with the pain of leprosy. And the individuals, not only were they ostracized from the community, um, they had to declare their uncleanness to who was going to be their family. And so they lost all social standing. Could you imagine the pain of whatever disorder or shame, which all of us can carry some of that, which I will say is from the pit of hell and it's not from the Father at all. But nonetheless, we all can have some of that. Could you imagine the things that you might be most shameful about, leprosy, having to be declared to everybody around you and everybody around you turns away? That'd be horrible. So literally from this place of deep personal despair, they cry out to Jesus, verse 14. When he, or Jesus, saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. 
This part is amazing to me. As they went, so they weren't healed yet, but as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, remember there was 10, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. That's important because the Jews and Samaritans didn't do stuff, which implies that perhaps some of the nine others might have been Jews. Nonetheless, only the Samaritan returned. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? You know, I think about this thing. So 10 lives are utterly transformed from absolute hopelessness to absolute wholeness. And 10% of the people that were transformed came back. I know you would say, well, I'm, I'm that 10% person. I would be the one that would return to Jesus. And praise God if you have that level of confidence. I'll tell you what, though. As the church of Jesus Christ as a whole, many of us actually are so accustomed to the blessings of God in our lives that we forget to return to him frequently expressing gratitude and thankfulness. I want to be in the 10%. Anybody with me? Let's be in the 10%. I mean, if you take a group like this, 100 people at church or whatever the count is, really we're kind of saying only 10 or 11 or 12 of us would be thankful, would return to worship. I don't know. That's a horrifying number, I think. So let's get it in the upper 90s or maybe close to 100%. That's my thought. I want to share with you three statements that help I think will help us choose gratitude. And if you're taking notes, you can write them down. If, if not, that's totally okay. But I think they're important to not only uh, believe, to give mental assent to, but to also uh, live out in our lives. And the first statement is this, that helps us to be positively grateful, is to make this declaration. I know every good thing I have comes from God. Every good thing I have comes from God. Is a bomb going to go off? Thank you. We're okay. Everybody's good. All right. I was just getting a little nervous. I know every good thing I have comes from God. Please, you're going to play along with me today. Let's read it. I know every good thing I have comes from God. I can't even read it from here. Are you, can you guys see that font okay? Good job. In fact, uh, James, the brother of our Lord in chapter 1, verse 17, basically says these very words. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Anybody know someone who is constantly, like, overwhelmingly grateful? Do you guys, maybe it's you. You can point to your spouse, kind of fill them up a little bit. Like, I, I, my mom. My mom's 91 years old. She's still alive just had a new hip replacement not long ago. And then she had, she almost died like a couple months ago. And she is like, ever since I've known her, she's been positive and thankful and grateful. Almost to the point where it like annoys me. <laughs> she's always been this way. And it's such an encouraging thing when it can kind of, kind of rub you the wrong way a little bit. But she remains positive. It's very encouraging. But I think some of the challenges that we have in following Jesus and remaining positively grateful is that 
Rather than acknowledging that every good thing that I have or we have comes from God, we tend to say, look what I did. Look, look, at, look at how much wealth I've amassed. Look at the marvelous education that I've had. And sometimes we can own the successes and the good things that take place in our lives. And yeah, we have a part in it, but every good thing that comes into our lives is a gift from the Father above. Amen? Amen. Be careful lest our accomplishments um, take our gratitude and um, honor to the Lord away. I mean, throughout Scripture, it's very clear that God was always the author and the giver of good things. God gave Noah architectural plans and the empowerment to build an ark. God fed Israel with manna and quail from heaven. God gave a teenage girl the faith to say yes to the angel of the Lord and say, yes, your will be done. And she brings into the world uh, her son, our Savior. Go figure. I remember when I was a teenager, I'd been freaked out if I saw an angel, number one. And I rarely did anything that an authority figure told me to do. In fact, I did the opposite. You, I'm sure, were compliant in every aspect of your lives. But, but it's amazing to me. And then to think about the, the other things, as it were, that God has given us. He's given us for personal relationship, the Prince of Peace, the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, we can have relationship with the Messiah, the Lion and the Lamb. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is your and my personal Savior and an advocate for us. Man, we have a lot to be grateful for. He gives us the Holy Spirit to guide and to comfort and to convict and to teach and to empower us. And he's given us and maintained his holy word that any and every time we open the word of God, life can spring forth into our souls. We have been given so much. Each of you I know has friends, some seated here, some elsewhere, but you have friends that actually love you. What? That's a blessing from God. It's a good thing. So we must know, not just mental assent, no, but know like believe in an intimate kind of way that every good thing we have comes from God. And I believe that when we live from that place, it will crush entitlement in our lives and propel us forward to greater Gratitude. Second thought is this. I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. If you can see this. If you can see. Oh, that's bigger. That's great. Let's read this one. I will not let what I want rob me from what I have. There's always more. There's always something different. It's got to be faster. It's got to be cooler. It's got to be shinier. And it kind of goes like this. I want a better car. And I'm not against cars. No, I'm not against possessions. I'm trying to make a point 
about looking beyond the blessings we currently have, and it creates a discontentment. I want a different house. I want to travel more. Well, what's wrong with where we travel? I want to go farther. I want it to be more glamorous. I want more. I wish I had this, or I really wish I had that, and on and on and on it goes. And Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes 6, verse 9, and it's a little bit convicting for me. He says, better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. Better what is in front of you and what God has already placed in your care than missing out on the blessings of that, longing for something more, grander, faster, cooler. And I'm not opposed to having stuff and junk, but let's keep in mind that it is just stuff and junk, okay? But I'm not opposed to that. What, what I think scripture opposes is that we lose our gratitude for what we do have because of what we don't have. You follow what I'm saying? Awesome. A couple of you do. I'm really grateful for that. And I'm, I'm convinced that gratitude turns whatever we have into enough. Say that word with me, enough. Enough. Gratitude turns whatever we have into enough. And it's not happy people who are grateful. Listen closely. It's grateful people that are happy. Gratitude leading the way. I mean, think about that for a minute, that statement. Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. Oh, how we suffer in Western culture from the roving of the appetite. I call it this, and I, maybe someone else has said it before, but I call it the curse of morism. More, if I just had more, just a little bit, more. Allow me to give you a point of reference. This is data from like 2016, I think. But at that time, and, and this is not an argument about minimum wage levels, but what I'm going to tell you is at that time, minimum wage earners that worked a full 40 hours a week made 32 times more than 50% of the working people on earth. I mean, that's kind of freaky. Now, I know our culture is driven by the dollar. I get all that. But my point regarding this financial thing is we are incredibly blessed, some in different expressions than others. But wherever we fall on the scale, so to speak, we are a blessed people. Yeah. <laughs> All too often, I know, I become dissatisfied, allowing ah, just kind of what I want to spoil that which God has already given me. And gratitude turns whatever we have into enough. Uh, Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 11. I'm sure many of you have verse 13 committed to memory, but as we go through it, you might see that the context with which we tend to quote that from is really about contentment and gratitude. Uh, so uh, follow along if you would. 
So, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content, second time that word is used, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this or all things through Christ who gives me strength. The reference to the Christ who gives me strength is that Paul would be content with what he has, whether it's plenty or it's little. May we be people who are content, who are thankful, who are grateful for that which we have and don't lose that blessing because of what we do not have. Paul kind of got to a place where Christ was all that he had, which is kind of encouraging because I'm convinced of this. Until Christ is all we have, we'll never know that Christ is all that we need. He's all we need. Well, no, I need a six-figure income. Well, he's all we need. Well, I need a Ferrari instead of a Dodge. He's, he's all we need. I used to, anybody here old enough to remember the Flintstones cartoony thing? Yeah. Pebbles, like pebbles. Well, I, I used to have a car that I had to put my feet through the floorboard. To get, you know, we sometimes we just get stuck with stuff and it's okay. We're still blessed and our God is still good and all we need is Christ. I don't know about you, but I really want to be better at choosing gratitude. Here's the third point that I think we need to know and maybe even rehearse on occasion is that I'll, I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. Let's do this out loud. I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. I mean, all our blessings we can turn back uh, into an act of worship and and I think that's biblical, and I think it's wholesome. And, and I'll tell you why I feel that way. I've heard it said, I don't know who to honor with giving the quote to, but I've heard it said that whenever we don't turn a blessing back into praise, it turns into pride. That's scary to me because I know I am bent towards being a prideful human being. Yeah, and you know, sometimes I get up here and I have to talk about that I'm really kind of broken and I have flaws and all that stuff. And sometimes I wish somebody else would do it. So didn't you want to volunteer to come up here and tell us how busted you are? Be careful, I got a microphone. No, I appreciate your bravery, we're good. I'll stick it out this time. We, we just get in this, oh, I deserve that, I earned that, I should have more. And then the other thing that just kills me, well, I, I came to church in February and in April, and God hasn't done anything in my life yet. It's like, really? God is so faithful, he is so good. Whatever we don't turn, whenever we don't turn a, a, a blessing back into praise, it 
turns into pride. David wrote this in Psalm 63 and beginning in verse four. And I love it. He says, I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands, which is why sometimes here you might not be comfortable with the raising of your hands and all that kind of stuff. And that's totally okay. But it's a biblical thing to do. And some people raise their hands and David declared it. And sometimes we shout and maybe even sometimes people dance and it's okay as long as it doesn't take the attention off the Messiah. Amen? Amen. Yeah, it's all okay. Uh, And in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied, content, grateful, as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Hey, before we move on and and we wrap up today, can we uh, express, speaking of singing and lifting voices, can we express our gratitude to Marcus and his team for just a wonderful spirit-filled worship and stuff? Thank you so much. It's awesome. We love it. And I want to sing like you when I grow up. I really do. (laughs) So how, how do we turn every blessing that we have into praise? I'm not really sure, but it's a good question to ask. How about a change of perspective? Get in your mind's eye your current source of income, the job that you have, and your current health condition. Just think about that for a minute. And the the loved ones who are nearest to you. All right, so you got those images in your mind. That's great. Now, I know this is going to be a challenge. You just lost your job. Your health's in the toilet and you lost a loved one. You, you kind of feel that pit in your stomach? Even though it may not be real, but you can kind of feel that pit in your stomach. But now, so imagine now that that were the reality of your life, but you got it all back. You didn't lose your job. It's like, woo thank you, God. I'm still doing the minimum wage thing, and I make more money than 50% of the people on earth, or whatever. You still have a job. Your health is fine. You can continue to function. And your loved one is not gone. You see, the things that we have in our lives that are so common, we take for granted. I mean, I take Pam for granted. I know that I do. And it's displeasing to the Lord. I don't want to be that guy. But suddenly... If we'll just pause long enough to say, what if I didn't experience this or them or have or my health was gone? All of a sudden, it's like, praise God for my church. I mean, like, you know, we're all creatures of habit, right? Sometimes people have to sit in the same chairs. You know what I'm talking about? So instead of, like if some, you show up to church and someone's sitting in your chair... Instead of like shutting down, I'm not going to listen to God today. (laughs) How about something like, you know what? These people don't know that's my chair. That means they're new. (laughs) And they might meet Jesus. Imagine that. And you had to change seats. Oh my goodness. That's just not even fair, but it was sure fun. Instead of My house is always a stinking wreck because of my kids, including the guy I'm married to. He messes it up all the time. Instead of something like that, how about, God, thank you that I have kids and a spouse and a house 
and the blessings of making it a mess. Yeah, we could do that, right? Did I mention anything about people sitting in your seats at church? Did I mention that already? Okay. <laughs> oh, speaking of church and the importance of uh, following the Lord in obedience, you know that, that water baptism is an outward expression of an inward work that Christ has done in our lives. And it, it's kind of like, I mean, I knew I loved Pam before we went to the altar, and I think I was pretty certain she loved me. But as an outward expression of an inward work, we got all dolled up and we did the wedding thing, right? Water baptism. Some of you here today need to take advantage of July 2nd to be water baptized. Repent. You've given your life to Jesus Christ some of you will have an encounter with Jesus in the waters of baptism that you have never experienced before. So I encourage you. You can talk to John. You can write stuff on these yellow card things here. Uh, just let us know you want to be water baptized. And, and dedicating babies, that would be really cool. And I lost my place, and so I'm coming back. So when the rest of the world is critical and ripping things apart with negativity, will you with me... Be positively grateful. Yes. That was a courtesy yes. <laughs> uh, you guys got to sell out for this. Will you commit to being positively grateful? Yeah. So, okay, so the reason I do this, it's not because my girdle's tight. It's because I got this wire thing that has mastered me and I can't master it. I don't understand so this is what David uh, did in Psalm uh, 103, beginning in verse 2. And may it become the cry of our hearts. I, I hope that it does. He says this. Let all that I am, heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's not in there. I added it. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. Do we have anything to be thankful for? Yes. I think so. What does our God do? Verse 5. He fills my life with good things. Amen? Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your love and your grace and your goodness and the power and authority of your word and that we, a bunch of flawed people, a bunch of flawed people can gather in your name and know with full confidence that you're here to meet with us. Thank you for being present, Lord God. Would you, Lord, continue a work of deepening our gratitude? Um, help us to move away from taking things for granted or entitlement and just move us towards being uh, people that are grateful. Um, before I continue on with a couple other questions, I'd like to ask this. Is, I know for some this message touched your heart because the Holy Spirit is faithful to do that. Uh, if you're one that says, you know, I really, really need to grow in gratitude, would you just lift your hands heavenward? Just yeah, be open, be honest, be vulnerable. God bless you. Thank you for your transparency. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. Spirit of the living God, uh, meet these individuals at their point of need and what they have uh, professed to you. Do a work that glorifies you in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. There's another group of folks here today that I'd like to talk to as the band prepares to play. And the, those who are on the prayer team, if you'd, if you'd make your way over here to the banner, that would be great. But uh, I just want to talk heart to heart for a minute because some in here may not have a heart of gratitude toward God, maybe. You know, maybe the church has hurt you. Uh, that might be a person, that might be an entity. Uh, you've been disappointed. Um, maybe a Christian bar- brother or sister said they'd be there uh, in all circumstances, and they weren't. I, I don't know. Maybe you thought for sure as you prayed for something that God would work an outcome just exactly as you prayed. But God had a different plan. And so you might feel a lack of gratitude towards him. In some cases, I think that some of us here today might simply be unclear about what all God has done for us and for you. You know that this is true, that each and every person in this room or listening to the podcast is a a sinner separated from God because of his holiness and our sinfulness. And that gap is huge. It's huge. However, there is but one way to close the gap. His name is Jesus. And he lived a sinless life, a perfect sinless life, willingly hung on a cross, was buried, and rose from the dead on the third day. You see, sometimes we think, well, if I'm religious enough, I'll be right with God, or if I'm generous enough, I'll be right with God, or if I do enough good things, I'll be right with God. Those statements are not true. Because none of us are good enough. So I I challenge and encourage everyone that can hear my voice. Perhaps today's the day that you make a personal decision that recognizes all that Jesus has done and close the gap between your life and the holiness of God by way of expressing faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You see, it's not your education that's going to get you in heaven. It is not your wealth. And it's not your good looks, though some of you are very beautiful. It is when these lips say who Jesus is this heart believes that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved, that we will be given eternal life. Would you close your eyes one more time, please? If there are some here that would say, I want Jesus to be my Lord, my Savior. I want a heart of gratitude for God because of what Jesus has done. There's nobody looking around. This is a private moment. Maybe at one point you committed your life to Christ, but you feel so distant. Maybe today's the day of rededication. If you're here today and uh, you would like to make that decision, like these others did, 
Would you raise your hand right now? Just lift them before the Lord. God bless you, ma'am. The Lord bless you. God bless you, young lady. God bless you, ma'am. Are there others that would say, yes, that's me. I want to be in God's eternal family. Last call for today. Raise your hand with me, please. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Lord God, we worship you and you alone. Father, we rejoice that uh, you are constantly building your kingdom by adding children. Thank you for that, Lord. Father, as we just sit for a moment in your presence, seal within our hearts that which you desire to do regarding gratitude. For those who have made a decision for Christ today, I pray that there would be a certainty beyond any doubt that they belong to you. We love you, Lord. We are devoted to you and you alone. Be glorified in our midst, in Jesus' name.